0: What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty DM. He's Dan. Hello, hello. And I'm Max, and we're talking Dynasty. And today, we're going to talk a lot about Dynasty strategy, give some recaps of things we've seen in startups, rookie drafts, leagues that we play in and what's going on there. And we're going to show you guys where the value is and where the traps are. All
1: right. So I think the first thing that we're going to cover today is little do's and don'ts of your Dynasty drafts. Uh, this is where you really start to make your team what it is. And you don't want to uh, screw things up at that point. It's the very first uh, part of your dynasty draft. Uh, so we want to make sure that we provide you with some tips on how we can really make sure you're getting the most out of that draft experience. So I think the first thing that we'd say easily is zero RB is the way to go, right, Max? Like, clearly, oh my they God. are just...
0: When, when I'm thinking about RBs, I just... Ugh. God, their growth—they gross me out. I just—I yeah. don't want any. I just want to go as far as I can in a draft before I take an RB.
1: Anytime one pops up on ADP, I kick the can down the road, and I really don't choose to take one until like maybe round fifteen or sixteen, depending on how things are going. So,
0: I think once all the third stringers are gone, that's when I start hitting running back hard.
1: And I honestly, I think that's a perfect example. However we kid, of course, that is clearly not the way to go uh, when you're looking at your dynasty drafts. Uh, We actually feel quite the opposite. And our first major don't is don't undervalue running backs, especially in the early rounds. Zero RB, in our opinion, is very dead. And you really need to be able to take advantage of the value that sits in rounds arguably one through three. Uh, actually Max, you had some, uh, some kind of information that you'd found on why uh, running back is actually now more important than ever.
0: Yeah. So here's the big thing, man. You know, when, when you're looking at draft strategies, you got to be fluid and you got to look at the talent. Um, and zero RB a couple years ago might've been a really great strategy, you know, but recently we've seen the college ranks pumping in a ton of great talent and, By the numbers, running back has been more important than ever. Uh, You know, my main guy, love getting information from him. Rich Rebar over at Sharp Football came out with some stats over, uh, you know, the last couple months and basically was looking at sample sizes of the last couple seasons. And if you look at over the past four seasons, RB2s are only producing 63% of the fantasy points that RB1s do, that RB1s do. So... Vice versa, when you're looking at wide receiver twos, they actually produce 83% of the fantasy points that wide receiver one do. So when you're looking at that opportunity cost, it becomes pretty clear where the value is. And you and I have been in enough startups, We've been in enough rookie drafts. We know that those running backs go quick and don't let that running back one rope slip through your fingers because the numbers are going to tell you that you're missing out a ton. You're leaving a ton of fantasy points on the table right there.
1: Yeah, they're just so much harder to make up for in the later rounds, which is why you just are basically need to prioritize them uh, earlier because you just as as you listed off, you just can't make up those fantasy points uh, via your RB2s.
0: Yeah. The field has really evened out, man. You know, the alpha wide receiver one, I mean, outside of Michael Thomas last year, you know, people were barely over a hundred receptions. It's, it's becoming, you know, teams are throwing the ball more and those wide receiver twos, you know, you think of how many we like in our top hundred rankings and stuff. Um, they're really providing a lot of that wide receiver one value. So it's like you, you, you really need to take the value that those early rounds are giving you in the workhorse running backs and then hammer those wide receiver twos throughout the middle parts of the draft, you know, or or later on, you know, in the end of round one and middle round two of, of your rookie drafts.
1: Exactly. At least if you, if you need to mix it up, that's one thing, but really within the first two rounds, you have to be taking at least one of them because otherwise you're really behind the ball. So Max, I think you actually had a few examples um, of uh, being able to package a few uh, different players uh, who could be drafted uh, within the first few rounds and who might uh, you might prefer over the other?
0: Yeah. So it's sometimes hard to put the numbers into context. Um, so sometimes it's just easier to say like, hey, here's the first three rounds of a startup draft. You could have team A that started off running back heavy, or you could have team B that started out wide receiver heavy. So uh, you know, I'm going to throw a couple of these at you right now that I just looked at and, you know, just for reference for everybody at home, you know, we, we use sleeper. That's where we do all our dynasty leagues. We love sleeper. Um, so this is going by sleeper, single quarterback dynasty league ADP. So here are a couple teams, Dan, I'm just going to lay out the first three rounds of a draft and you let me know which of these two teams you would prefer to start out with.
1: Let's do it. So
0: here on the first team, we have Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders, and Alan Robinson, or you can have Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, and Aaron Jones. Which of those two teams are you taking as your starting point on your dynasty team?
1: Well, that, okay, so that one's a good one. Uh, a, you definitely, and in, in, in for anyone who's listening, they definitely know I'm a big Dalvin Cook fan, so that immediately puts a little edge there for sure. Um, however, when you're kind of comparing uh, the rest of the uh, rosters for both of those, Uh, Miles Sanders is looking more and more like he's got a very good situation ahead of him. Um, Whereas you look at, conversely, on the other side, Aaron Jones was phenomenal last year. Uh, But he, and looking at the stats from his touchdown efficiency perspective... I find it very hard that he's going to keep something like that up. So when you're looking at uh, Dalvin Cook, where, yes, there is still some holdout concerns, uh, and Miles Sanders, yes, uh, a rookie kind of looking to take that next leap. Do I trust both of their opportunity and production over Aaron Jones, who uh, Green Bay all of a sudden deciding to bring in even more running backs into the fold this year and them continuing to tout a uh, running back by committee? Uh, him as my RB one, I would love him as an RB two. Uh, in some scenarios, you can even rarely get him as an RB three. Uh, I don't want to trust him as an RB one. And that's why I'd have to go, uh, Dalvin and my, uh, Miles Sanders, where Robinson, uh, continued to show that he was very, um, uh, proficient and was able to, uh, hold up some good numbers there, but Tyreek and AJ Brown, um, they can be fantastic, but boom or bust uh, in many regards of their game. So uh, I have to go with the Dalvin and Miles Sanders in that situation.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I I take the Dalvin team. I'm a big Miles Sanders guy. Uh, and I actually love Allen Robinson's talent too. So that team looked good to me as a whole. But let's let's quickly go through another couple examples here and just see if I can get you to prefer the wide receiver start teams. All
1: right, let's do it.
0: So team one here, we have, and again, this is drafting from slot seven. So roughly guys, you're going to get around if you're in that draft slot. Uh, We have Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, our boy, and uh, Cortland Sutton on one side. And then we have Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, and Mr. DeAndre Swift rounding out the other side.
1: Fantastic. Now this is another hard one for sure. Um, But in looking at it, uh, once again, I have to go the, the running back heavy side with Mixon Taylor and that kind of one, two punch, uh, Swift is going to be a phenomenal running back in this league. Uh, however, he is someone that I cannot trust at this point for putting up RB one numbers. Uh, so I know Mixon is kind of teetering on that RB one. He's, he's been there the past couple times, uh, but the opportunity in, uh, in for the Bengals this time is going to be fantastic. And Jonathan Taylor is a beast. So got to go with that side.
0: Yep, look at you. Somebody listened to our last podcast and heard all my (laughs) Swift numbers. Uh, Let's go with team three here. So team three quickly rounded out. So we got Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, and DK Metcalf for team one. Or team two, DeAndre Hopkins, a Dan favorite, Kenny Galladay, and Mr. Kenyon Drake.
1: Uh, so this one is this one's probably the hardest for me uh, because that Hopkins Galladay stack um, is going to be pretty beastly, uh, provided that Matty Stafford is able to to be what we think he can be uh, going into this year, which uh, he was setting a, a record pace as of uh, last year. Um, so that wide receiver duo is hard to give up because those are both guys I trust truly as wide receiver ones in many regards. Um, however. Chubb, I do believe is uh, an absolute beast with the, and I believe we, uh, we chat a little bit about him on the last podcast, um, but the enhancements that they've had with the Cleveland Browns, I literally do think he's going to be the league leader for rushing. Uh, And then Josh Jacobs, again, having another one where he has just such a clear path uh, to being able to uh, be a high end RB two to an RB one, uh, I'm going to take the potential RB1 duo over the potential wide receiver 1 duo uh, in Chubb and Jacobs over uh, in Metcalf over Hopkins, Galladay, and Drake. Super hard. Uh, I could see you leaning Hopkins, Galladay, Drake if you are positioned or positioning yourself to be a very much win now team this year. Uh, but otherwise, I'm going to take the value on the uh, Chubb and Jacobs side.
0: Yeah, special note there on the win now side. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, one of my favorite players. He's won me a couple dynasty leagues. Um, so I got nothing but love for DeAndre. But wide receivers changing teams typically see a drop in production. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just always interesting to consider there, you know, some of these guys that have been around for a little longer. It's like all of a sudden they have a team change that makes a big difference too. So just always something to consider when you're going win now, guys go into new situations, even if they're proven studs can always be a little bit of a gotcha.
1: No, that's true. And honestly, I I definitely believe the same. So while we peg him as this wide receiver one, I definitely, it's when we talk about him, it's always top three. Um, I see him as a back and wide receiver one to even high end wide receiver two this year. So
0: but again, proven stud. Nothing but love for DeAndre Hopkins. Totally.
1: So the, just a couple examples. Uh, and certainly everyone can have their, uh, their difference of opinion on it. Um, but those kind of packages, it's just so hard to give up uh, just a, a, a really strong one-two punch at running back to kick things off because uh, you know you can make up some of the value uh, at wide receiver later on down the line. Uh, however... Uh, there are certain scenarios where you might find whoever dro- uh, drops to you, et cetera, that you really do want to start off with a couple wide receiver studs. And in those types of scenarios, you do have to value hunt a little bit when it comes to running back. Uh, so there's one guy in particular uh, that we wanted to be able to talk about. If you exactly, if you're unable to invest in running back early, uh, there is a hidden gem that Max is a big fan of, and that is one Darius Geis. So Max, why don't you actually give us a little lowdown on why you believe Darius Geis is someone that, if you do miss out on some of the stud RBs uh, within the first say three rounds. Uh, that you should consider him later down uh, down the line in your draft.
0: Yeah. So having uh, drafted next to me in a recent startup, Dan, I think uh, you could say my first piece of advice is don't miss the stud RBs. Right. So yep. get those guys up top. If you got to reach a little bit, don't let ADP dictate your decisions. Um, you know, I think that's just good fantasy advice in general, whether it's dynasty, uh, startup, rookie draft, anything. But uh, I love to grab the RBs, um, and you know, for some of the reasons we laid out before. And Darius Geis right now, I mean, I, I tend to draft aggressively in general after I fill out starters. Darius Geis is probably going, depending on, you know, if you're talking single QB, depending on your league and who you're drafting with, like he's going somewhere in the six, seven, eight, more more on the seven, eight rounds. Uh, and I think the guy's a stud. I have been talking Dan's ear off about Darius Geis since we started our dynasty conversations however long ago. Uh, and you know the thing with me and Darius guys, it's simple. You know most people go to sleep at night. They might think about their day. They might think about what they're gonna do tomorrow. As soon as I close my eyes, there's just this nonstop LSU highlight reel of Darius guys, and it's just me trying to go to sleep. But he's breaking tackles. I can't go to sleep. He breaks another tackle. I can't go to sleep. And just I don't I don't think people remember what a stud he was. You know, stuck behind Leonard Fournette during his early years. Um, at LSU, you know, Fournette gets hurt. Geis has his chance to shine. Finally, you know, kind of takes over his sophomore season and rushes for over 1,300 yards. I mean, the guy was an animal. You you go look at his game logs. He's, he's playing in the SEC. He's playing against the toughest defenses on the planet that aren't in the NFL. And, you know, he's rushing for 285, 252, 163. You name it, the guy can do it. Uh, and he's just had a really bad run of luck in the NFL. Um, you know, injuries are tough to predict. People get the injury-prone label. Uh, I've even been partial to that in the past, labeling guys injury-prone too early. But I just think people need to understand that Darius Guy's 225 pounds, he's a big dude. We're talking 73rd percentile BMI, and he runs a 4.49, and at that size, It's good for a 91st percentile speed score, which, you know, if anybody doesn't know what speed score is, it basically takes your 40 yard dash time and factors it in for how big you are. So if some guy is running the same 40 yard dash and he weighs 30 pounds heavier, it's obviously more impressive when the bigger guy does it. So we've seen him be a stud at the college level and, you know, we've, we've seen him in small pockets produce at the NFL level. There's no reason, outside from knowing there's still some injury risk, not to love Darius Geis, even in limited sample sizes, Dan. Just tiny sample sizes last year. He was averaging 5.8 yards per carry and you know had one of the higher juke rates in the league. That's you know missed tackles per touch, um, was sitting at 34%. So one of the highest rates in the league. Buy Darius Geis right now. Get him while he's cheap in startups. Get him while people are trying to ditch him off their rosters. I love Darius guys. Dan, stop me before I keep talking about Darius guys.
1: No, and honestly, I mean, I, believe me, this is uh, this is a guy that I do get excited about, uh, in knowing what his full potential is. I think he gets dinged a little bit, um, as you said, from the the quote unquote uh, injury history. Uh, I think we've seen that same type of tag get applied to someone like Dalvin Cook uh, earlier, even before this breakout, and look where he is now, right? Like there is opportunity to overcome that. Um, and to gain value, uh, I would still argue that people look at Dalvin cook and still have their question marks, but now he's in a, another echelon, uh, where he belongs. So looking at someone like Darius Geis, who's just honestly following a very similar pattern to someone like Dalvin cook, who I loved and, and saw this same pattern in. Um, I think he has this opportunity to overcome some of that, The only thing that's um, maybe sticking out in people's minds, and I just want to kind of get your thoughts on, is the continued additions to the backfield, Uh, people like Antonio Gibson, etc. Do they scare you off? Do you feel like that is potentially the uh, coaches just looking at alternatives and bringing in their guys? Or do you still feel like Geis is definitely clearly uh, the guy to own in that backfield and he's going to prove it this year?
0: Yeah, I do love Antonio Gibson, um, kind of another size speed freak. Uh, Memphis has put out a lot of great backs in the recent years. You know, Tony Pollard, to name another one that I think most people would agree could start in most backfields in the NFL if he wasn't behind Zeke. Um, Do they scare me? Yeah, a little bit. Anytime you get a guy that's, you know, another size speed freak and, you know, has proven to be a little bit more durable so far and the guy in front of him has injury question marks, it's always going to scare you a little bit, but I mean, would, Dan, would you throw on the film? That's the one thing about the film: the film don't lie. Exactly Darius right. Geis. Darius oh. Geis is the guy there. If he's healthy, he's the guy there. Mark my words.
1: Eve, even a couple of the uh, the runs that we, he was able to to rip off in uh, two thousand and nineteen, just this past season. Uh, seeing those glimmers. It's not just college profile and and college uh, tape. He's, he still has it. It's just this ability to make sure that he's staying healthy and get the opportunity that he deserves. Because I think this is why we wanted to talk about him because his range of outcomes is so vast, right? Usually when you're drafting yes. a guy in the higher rounds, you know it's, it's a little tighter pending a massive injury or something. Uh, he's one where you're getting the value because, yes, could he – Uh, only play four games and end up as the RB60? Sure. Could he also play... Uh, 16 healthy games hopefully if the season is 16 games this year um, could he do that and end up being a top 10 running back or even or even better absolutely as well so this is where it gets really interesting because this is the type type of stuff that you have to factor in when you're looking at how do you value him as a whole and Max and I have continued to start to uh, to kind of joke that there is a certain uh, line a certain line that you draw in terms of your risk tolerance Uh, your gauge of talent and profile, uh, and the opportunity that is available to some players in this middle round. We've started to kind of gauge that line as the Geis line as to where, who we find that we'd rank above Darius Geis, and who we find we'd rank below Darius Geis, And it's ever shifting uh, with all the new information that we gather. Um, but it continues to be something that we laugh about because uh, there becomes this moment where you can say how you rank a player or how at least we rank a player based on whether they are above or below Darius Geis.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't ask for this. Okay. This, this, <laughs> I didn't ask to be the chosen one to defend Darius Geis for eternity, but here we are. We're if here gonna... and uh, there's a Geis line. It exists. and. That's all I have to say about if that. If you're going to be the Darius guy
1: spokesperson, <laughs> you have to be able to represent him uh, throughout it all. So in this t- typical scenario, just like you would toss out a couple uh, proposed examples to me, uh, I um, we I've this. got a couple different guys that I want you to be able to think about. Would you rank them ahead of Darius guys or behind Darius guys when it comes to your dynasty rankings? So I'm going to kick yeah. it off with a couple... Uh, wide receivers first, then we'll flow into some uh, running backs, uh, and then finally a, a tight end that I'm curious about your your ranking there as well. So, first thing I want to kick off with a
0: tight end over Darius guys. A, a tight end? You're joking?
1: Absolutely you're joking. I, no, well, I'm let's kidding. see. I want right, to know hit, your, hit uh, me, your answer. You me. might be leading the uh, the witness here. Um, but first thing I'm going to kick off with is especially when you're thinking about this type of stuff. Um, dynasty uh, rookie drafts are coming about right now. So there's a couple guys that are coming out this year as wide receiver uh, that range a little bit in value. Uh, so I first want to ask you about Denzel Mims. No. Would you rank Denzel Mims above or below Darius Geis in your di- dynasty rankings as of right now?
0: Give me guys. Give right. me love. Listen, I love Denzel Mims. Uh, he's like my one exception to the non early declare wide receivers, uh, you know, guys that actually have to play a senior season to, uh, you know, be wanted by the NFL. Give me guys. I like Mims. I love the athleticism. We'll probably talk about him at length, you know, a couple different times. A little bit later. uh, Yeah. Give me guys. So. That's one
1: who typically ranks a little bit in like that uh, early to mid-second round. Let's go to someone who's more in the mid to late first round in uh, rookie ADP right now. That's Jalen Rager. Would you take Jalen Rager above or below Darius Geis?
0: That is a good one. Um, hmm. My head says yes. But my heart says yes. Yeah, I think I took <laughs> we Jalen Rager over There we go. You got to follow the heart case. always. Yeah. Um. Yeah, all right. He's he's super young. Metrics poster child for all us dynasty analytics lovers. Um. A lot of opportunity there in Philly, so I do like Jalen Rager a lot.
1: Perfect. All right. So now currently we have Denzel Mims below the Geist line. We have Jalen Rager above the Geist line. Getting closer. We're getting closer. We're finding this this middle. So let's see. I have one more, and this is uh, another thing that I got to clue people into, and they, 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 people have found out before. Max, you're a bit of an ageist, uh, especially when it comes to uh, wide receivers. So <laughs> a bit uh, is putting I, it lightly. I, a bit, but I do have to toss this out specifically because of the opportunity that is presented to him this year. Um, I
0: think I know where you're going with this.
1: I'm gonna ask: Would you rank Robert Woods? Over Darius Geis or under Darius Geis?
0: Give me Geis. Give you me gotta, Geis. Is, okay, just for the record, ageism. Yes, it's a thing. I love it. Football is a young man's game, Dan. Okay, and Darius Geis just turned 23. Robert Woods, I love you, Robert Woods, but he's, you know, any roster that I have a 28-year-old wide receiver on, I'm I'm getting him the hell out of there. Ugh. I mean,
1: in fairness, I still like to have heart that he can play because he's younger than me. But uh, I had to toss him out there because Robert Woods, uh, I'm a big fan this year. Uh, I believe he has uh, easy uh, top 12 upside with his opportunity this year. So I had to toss him out. But knowing that he was a 28 year old, I had to figure that might be your answer there. Um, do you know all right.
0: what uh, Robert Woods' nickname was uh, coming out of college? I don't think I do. It was 7 because he's always open. Oh, love it. See? No, I'm just kidding. That was Chris Hogan, but I just
1: <laughs> All right, still, fair. Um, all right, so we covered some uh, wide receivers there. Want to touch on a couple running backs because that's where it's actually uh, certainly super hard because you're probably staring down a few of these guys at around the same ADP. Uh, so this is where you're not even looking at positionally, oh, do I need a wide receiver over a running back given my team structure? This is, if you're looking at any of the running backs across the board, you have to be a little bit more critical of uh, where you take them. And so this first one, um, it's, it's, it's funny. If you rewind two years, would I be saying this name uh, in comparison oh, yeah. to Darius Geis? I can tell uh, where
0: this one's going too. Todd
1: Gurley, would you take, would you rank Todd Gurley above or below the Geist line for your dynasty rankings.
0: It's funny because they both have injury concerns. Um, Gurley's done it. He's proven it. And I, I feel like if I'm giving Geist the benefit of the doubt with injuries, I have to do, I'm, you know, I'm a man of principle, Dan, I have to do the same thing for Todd Gurley. Um, he's three years older, uh, but he went to a good team. That's in a lot of shootouts. Yep. Um, Final answer. Man, you really got to the heart of the guys line here. Uh, I think – let's go Darius guys Just give him to me. Oh. And, and, you know, that's that's probably about as close as you're going to get. Um, I was going to say. And maybe that's – maybe if we wanted to really hone in on that, which we don't need to, you know, it could be a team-dependent thing, right, of like window, what your other – you know, how, how solid your starters are outside of that player. But in a vacuum with the upside, both have injury concerns. Give me Darius guys.
1: Man, all right. This one's gonna be interesting to uh, to to go into because if you, uh, I was I was curious how you're gonna feel about Todd Gurley, this other guy that I have again a proven talent. His situation very likely helped him along the way. Uh, now finds himself uh, arguably in more of the RB two position on his team currently, uh, but still young enough, and had the upside is immense in terms of his future potential. Uh, also want to understand where you would rank Kareem Hunt. Would you rank him above the Geist line or below the Geist line? I have a feeling I know where you're going to go, given your last answer, but curious as to your thoughts.
0: Yep. Well, I do still like Hunt's talent, and I think he's a uh, bit of a bigger threat than you might be giving him credit for to your boy, Nick Chubb. Uh, give me Geist. Give All right. Give me Geist. Still with a former rushing champ. He's legit.
1: All right. Those are a couple running backs. Um, lastly, as promised... I wanted to toss out one tight end. Uh, I think we'll talk later on about how you and I feel about where tight ends should be taken in drafts and how to value them accordingly. Uh, But in terms of ADP, this is someone who typically is being taken well above uh, and before Geis uh, and certainly uh, factoring in things coming about and being more popular like tight end premium. Uh, Curious as to whether you would rank Mark Andrews above or below the Geis line.
0: Yes. I knew you were going here. I knew it had to be a top three tight end. Um, Positional scarcity with tight end.
1: You're getting a big boy.
0: It's interesting because I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to cheat a little bit. So I think in terms of if I'm asked to, if I'm asked to list out my rankings, I think I'm going to have Mark Andrews ahead of Darius Geis um, because I think he has perennial, top five upside at tight end tied to Lamar Jack. I mean, he's basically the number one wide receiver on that team. Exactly. Um, the thing is me personally, and we can get into this later. I'm never, ever going tight end that early. Those rounds are pretty much reserved for wide receivers and running backs outside of superflex, of course. Um, so, if I'm drafting, there's no way Mark Andrews is getting taken before Darius. Ge- like he, he, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like he's not going to end up on my roster.
1: No, exactly. No, I think ADP they end up being far enough away. But was curious if uh, more considering in the trade perspective, right? ADP goes out the window a little bit. You're sitting there with Darius Geis on your roster, uh, and you're able to uh, open up a conversation with someone who owns Mark Andrews. Um, absolutely. You have to take into consideration your overall roster construction, but at that type of crossroads, is he someone that you would consider, uh, trading for in giving away Darius guys?
0: Yeah. If we're going to operate under the assumption that, uh, I don't love punting the tight end position on my dynasty rosters, that I think it's definitely a conversation you could have, you know, especially in some of these tight end premium leagues, but even in standard non-tight end premium leagues, uh, I think it's definitely a conversation.
1: Bear. so it looks like we only had maybe two guys that floated above the Geist line uh we had Jalen yeah. Rager uh and in most scenarios we had Mark Andrews those yeah. falling under were Denzel Mims Todd Gurley I am not gonna let you live that down I'm going to be very curious to see how Todd Gurley compares to Darius Geist this year I hope they have the same uh, knee
0: doctor that's all I'm saying <laughs> Kareem Hunt
1: and Robert Woods, all falling just a bit below the guys line there. So
0: <sighs> Bobby uh, Woods,
1: we'll continue to, uh, to do this on occasion, especially as the, uh, the season continues to go on and we get a, a better gauge of uh, where Mr. Darius Geist, uh is going. But uh, I think it's fun to start off, especially before the season truly kicks off, to figure out and speculate uh, his range of outcomes and where we'd put him in Dynasty rankings. So well done, Max.
0: Yep. Dan, anytime you want to know where the Geist line is, I'm here. I'm your guy. We'll talk to you about Darius Geist all day long.
1: Hey, you're the uh, the Geist doctor. I'll take it any day. All right. So we've talked uh, in good amount about the running back position and why we personally feel like we should be investing in that position early uh, because you really can't make up for that value later on down the line. Uh, The next thing we wanted to do was kind of position ourselves to talk about the wide receiver position, Uh, and something that I feel in particular is something that you should be taking into account, and that is don't draft a wide receiver age 27 or older in the first three rounds, because honestly, people don't value them like they should, uh, I am feeling most particularly a little burned by this because this is a prime example of something that I just did in a draft um, and have maybe found out that uh, people feel a little differently about it. So we, uh, Max and I had a draft a little while ago, um, a Dynasty Startup draft, Superflex uh, and was uh, eyeing in the second round as I was sitting more towards the uh, the, the first part of the second round, uh, Devontae Adams continued to fall. People were looking at other uh, quarterbacks, acceptable in Superflex, and Devontae Adams was kind of falling to me in the early to honestly even mid-second round. And I, uh, I'm a big fan of going running back early, but seeing a name like that sticking out in front of me Uh, who, yes, had an underwhelming season last year, but clearly and continually is ranked within the top five wide receivers easy uh, by most people from a dynasty perspective. Uh, And wanting to be able to leave with a uh, stud running back, which again, took Dalvin Cook, uh, and then load up on a stud wide receiver, being Devonta Adams, uh, I looked at that, what I perceived as value at the ADP, uh, and decided to snag him instead of others who were uh, sitting around that time being Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor, um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire for some people who uh, tend to prefer him. Uh, I the can people tell who you think Max he's, and I don't. He's really good. Um, yeah. But those are the types of names that were sticking around there. And so I decided to go to Devontae Adams and think you know what I, I think I can make up for um, some extra wide receiver value later down the line and maybe even look to just dangle him out uh, as trade bait for someone later down the line uh, and so I put him on the trade block and uh, no one nobody wants a bite nobody cares <laughs> nobody cares and I, I, I was so fascinated because here you have. A, uh, a guy who, again, as I've said, I think no one would argue uh, that he is uh, in the top five uh, wide receivers in Dynasty, maybe even uh, top three uh, to top two. Some people have him uh, ranked as their second wide receiver uh, right behind uh, Michael Thomas, just with him being a little bit younger than DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but once wide receivers get up to an age like that, uh, there's something that clicks in people's minds where it's really that 27 mark, which... I is phenomenal to me because I think there's plenty of data that actually shows that that ends up being the prime for plenty of wide receivers. Um, But people, when they're looking at their rosters, uh, don't want to invest in a wide receiver that is just about to crest over that hill, even if they haven't reached the full top yet. And so uh, in looking at how that value perception is, really becoming apparent that's something that as max and i take a look at some draft strategies it just seems to be something that we would advocate to stray away from because the uh value even if you feel like you're getting value at that position unless you absolutely intend to keep them you shouldn't be drafting wide receiver of that age max any thoughts
0: there i have some thoughts and i want to ask a quick question to you so so we're in this draft together we're actually drafting right next to each other and uh, so so you took Dalvin Cook, and then he came back with Devontae Adams. So while we got these mics on, while we got people in front of us, uh, I took Miles Sanders on the way back. You did. And uh, just wondering if you might be thinking that my first two rounds went a little bit better than yours, you know, given all those ah. running back points we just laid out. Yes. 83% Dan, that 83% is true. those wide receivers too are producing. I, regrets, I may, I
1: may have a few. But... Boom. There it is. <laughs> so for this moment in time Steve until Devonta Freeman signs with the Philadelphia Eagles and then all of a sudden maybe I'm feeling a little better about it but uh, for right, like now, zero RB in time, right now <laughs> at this point in time I, uh, it is something where I look back on it you know what I think running back running back probably would have been the way to go um, but it was a learning that we had there and it's, it's actually uh, my, my loss is you guys' gain because uh, I really do believe um, you're going to have names like Julio Jones DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, he's not going to be in the first three rounds actually, so he's actually one that kind of falls out of there a little bit, and actually almost potentially even becomes a little bit of a value, but those are the names that are so tempting. Um, but immediately position you in a place where you need to keep them because there are very few people who are trading for them right now. There's a little hype about uh, DeAndre Hopkins right now given his trade. Uh, Max and I would actually argue it might be more of a detriment to him. Um, but it, those are the types of names that you're gonna be seeing around there. And if you want to bring them onto your team, that is fine. Um, but know that they're probably gonna have to stick with you because uh, the overall value uh, when it comes to other league mates uh, might not be there. Uh, Max, you are a owner of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, You're an owner of uh, Odell. Uh, Are you seeing this type of stuff kind of occurring in your leagues where uh, people might be truly valuing the AJ Browns uh, and the DK Metcalfs uh, as equal or even a little bit more uh, than some of those players in some circumstances?
0: Yeah. It's tough, man. Um, I've had the Odell conversation. People seem to gravitate towards Hopkins a little bit more. Um, why I'm not really sure. I mean, I think objectively like fantasy side, dynasty side, let's just talk football for a second. Like Deandre Hopkins has been one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver in football for a couple of years now. Um, so maybe it's just a little bit of film meets fantasy where you see it. And also the numbers are there. Um, he's been probably the easiest sell. Uh, You know, people have been talking to me, maybe two first rounders or something like that, Um, which, which is still kind of crazy to me. That seems kind of cheap to buy a wide receiver like that. Yeah. Um, But I think what you're really getting into here, Dan, and it's across positions, it's not just wide receiver is there's the age apex, right? Um, And you can, you know, go do research. There's plenty of people smarter than us that have talked a whole lot about this, but for wide receivers, it is about age 27. So, while that is arguably their uber prime and, and maybe the best year that they're poised to have, you know, for their career, um, people start seeing that as like, well, next year he's going to be 28. And then after that, what happens? Right. Um, and for running backs, it's a little different for running backs it's early, like age 24 and a half or something like that. Um, and for tight ends, it's it's a whole different curve because they play anywhere from just a couple of years to, you know, you can be Antonio Gates and play for 15. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think those, wide receivers can be cornerstone on your team. Uh if you build a team right, you can definitely have, you know, some some great older receivers on there. I just prefer to go after them in those later rounds, right? So I'm hammering running back early, getting the workhorses, getting hopefully the young guys too if you're doing it right. And then, you know, you brought up Robert Woods earlier. Like if you can grab a Robert Woods in round 5, who DeAndre Hopkins changing teams? Who's to say Robert Woods doesn't have comparable numbers, right? Totally. So um, I think those guys can be hard to put on the block.
1: I agree. No, I think that's uh, that's some learning that we've started to have over there. And um, just, again, when making some critical decisions in the early rounds, something that we've found uh, has just been uh, reoccurring in some of our, our drafts that we've done as of recently. So we've covered running backs, and we've covered wide receivers now, Uh, there's one other important position that we wanted to talk about uh, when it comes to your draft, uh, specifically some of the earlier rounds uh, and being able to find value later on. And so the thing that we wanted to toss out there is don't draft a tight end unless their name is Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, or Mark Andrews, inside the top 10 rounds because there's so much late round gold it's so hard to burn a uh, pick on a tight end that is not one of those three Uh, in looking at some of the drafts that we've done recently uh, we've seen some people start to take on some other tight ends that are outside of those uh, big three that we would kind of call them Uh, people like Austin Hooper Darren Waller even Evan Ingram Uh, and taking them in rounds, say, four through nine. Uh, And you look at the way that their teams kind of stack up, and while they feel like they're uh, getting a positional advantage there by drafting guys like that, um, Max, I feel like there's a few guys that you and I are a little bit more hyped on that fall later in rounds and allow you to pick up another stellar RB two or wide like receiver Darius two guys like Darius Geis or Tyler Boyd at those uh, at those uh, particular, particular rounds uh, and then defer um, on the tight end position to be able to pick up guys like Mike Gasicki or Johnu Smith or Hayden Hurst, those guys who have either extremely amazing profiles when it comes to the types of tight ends that we look for or amazing opportunities uh, with the way that the team uh, structures and is uh, targeting the tight end position. So do you have any thoughts there? I know we've kind of chatted a little bit about uh, those types of guys in particular and how they compare to some of these guys who are being drafted in... Uh, in the middle rounds and, and just aren't really getting you the positional advantage at tight end.
0: Yeah. It comes down to opportunity cost, right? So, uh, you know, we were talking about go running back early, which, you know, if you're loading up three, four running backs, at the beginning of your draft, you know, the middle rounds, you should be hitting wide receiver. You know, we, we said it before, rich rebar, the Godfather, man, he's telling you that these wide receiver twos are producing 83% Of the fantasy points that wide receiver ones are, there's a lot of value to be had there, and those those are those guys in the middle rounds that you can go get. You can go get your Tyler Boyd, you can go get your Jarvis Landry. I mean, you name it, those guys that aren't super young and aren't going really high, they're those great mid-round targets. You know, getting to what you said about the top 10 round thing, I think it's interesting. Roughly, let's say you're in a 12 team league, 10 rounds, you're roughly 120 picks, right? Tight end premium skews that a little bit. Maybe some of your league mates prefer a position super flex kind of messes with it, but roughly that that's around that, you know, 120 pick mark where if you load up on talent going up through those first, let's say nine, 10 rounds, depending on the format, you can just really load up on all these flyers on really awesome, you know, upside tight ends in the later rounds. You listed a couple, you know, Mike Kosicki and Johnny Smith, I think are two of our favorites and, um, things i look for in tight ends are hyper athletes uh you know johnny smith i think is like a 98th percentile spark guy he's a monster Uh, and Kasicki's right up there too you know Noah Fant falls in that category you know even david and joku and oj howard are basically free right now and seriously you know they haven't they haven't washed out of the league yet so i look for those guys not only with the hyper athleticism but with a couple years in the nfl um Tight end is probably the hardest offensive skill position player to learn that there are skill position to learn outside of quarterback, because you not only learn have to learn how to run routes, but you have to learn how to block too. And you have to know a lot of offensive assignments. So typically these guys aren't hitting until year two, usually year three or four. Right. Um, and so you just look for those guys that have good profiles, you know, more productive in college, you love to see early, you know, age adjusted production um, on those guys with some good athleticism going into year three, four, and, and those are the guys you look for. And they're basically free, you know, once you get outside the first 10 rounds of a startup, I consider everybody free because like people throw ADP out the window, you know, exactly. which I think is a, a tip that we both love, right? Go get your guys, yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you're not getting one of those premier producers that you think has a shot to be a top three tight end every year, like a Kelsey, a Kittle, a Mark Andrews, um, it's really hard to justify the opportunity cost of going Evan Ingram in the fifth or going Austin Hooper in the seventh. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
1: Exactly. And due to the volatility of the position, I mean, there are plenty of people. Rewind yourself to the beginning of uh, the 2019 season and... I think some people saw some uh, opportunity with uh, Austin Hooper and Darren Waller. They, They saw the profiles of them. They were going well outside the top 10 rounds. And so this volatility of the position where it honestly doesn't take too much to bump yourself into the top 12 tight ends... Um, as long as you don't, aren't playing anything like extreme tight end premium or two tight end leagues, you can easily wait to try and uh, pick up a couple different tight ends uh, after round 10 and just hope that one of them hits. Uh, but then you weren't paying this big premium uh, at the earlier rounds for wide receivers that you know are going to be solid wide receiver twos or wide receiver threes. And then you just put your dart throws in rounds, say, 10 through 15 on a couple of these guys and just hope that they stick uh, because this is exactly what people did when they were drafting the Darren Wallers uh, and the uh, Hoopers last year. They were going outside of that range. So to be able to just take those shots once again uh, and hope that you find a guy that bumps themselves into uh, at least the top 12, which is really all you're asking for to continue to be competitive uh, in your dynasty league. You get so much more of an advantage deferring um, later down the line, picking up those guys. So uh, that's kind of one other bit of strategy that we kind of felt was pretty solid in looking at how some of our drafts have gone uh, pretty recently. Yeah,
0: Um, we've seen a lot of people grab tight ends, even in tight end premium, way too early.
1: Oh, and exactly, and that's even worse. It's not only taking tight ends at their um, ADP. Uh, for some of those ones where they fall just naturally, it's also those who are seeing that they've grabbed a couple of running backs and a couple wide receivers and then are just feeling this fear that I don't have a tight end, I need to fill my roster and reach for a guy uh, who even at ADP could have been going around later uh, because they had this just this this physiological need to fill their roster uh, with a tight end uh, at that time. So the reaches are what really kills you because then uh, you're not even taking someone at their value, you're taking it ahead of their value.
0: And and keeping in line with that, I mean, I think that's something we could quickly touch on. Like ADP can be a poison well, right? Like yeah. it's so many people, you get nervous in a draft, you start overthinking picks you've made, picks you're gonna make, uh, and you start letting you know, the the draft board right in front of you and how those players are listed dictate your choices when really, you know, it, it, it's a consensus. You know, don't be afraid to go against it and don't be afraid to reach around for a guy. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying do this in the first round, do this in the second round, but like once you're, once your positional starters are filled, like, Screw ADP, start going, getting your guys, getting the ones that you want, and um, you know, not really letting that dictate your decisions.
1: Exactly, yeah, because I think that's why we harp on these first kind of three points that we had around uh, grabbing running backs as uh, much as you can in the early rounds. Then following it up with a strong set of wide receivers, knowing that uh, between the wide receiver and ones and twos that you get, you're getting some great value there in terms of uh, the ADP and where they fall. And then following it up with a tight end. uh, Then once you have that kind of nice set uh, roster and as you said, kind of finding your starters first, uh, find the guys you root for. Make sure you feel like you're absolutely like excited to be able to have that roster and don't always feel like you just have to take value where it falls. Don't be afraid to reach at that point. I think you're going to end up liking your team a lot better that way, uh, which is really what you want at the end of the day. You want this thing to be fun. Uh, you don't want to have a whole bunch of roster cloggers just because they're uh, the ones that fell to you at that time. Uh, so that's what kind of allows you to a be competitive by really taking care of those first rounds and then have a little bit more fun you can take those gambles later on down the line
0: all right dan i think that's it for tonight we brought the people a whole bunch of great strategy stuff maybe dove into a little bit of the weeds there and we'll be coming back with some more awesome stuff real soon you know uh, it. i say we get out of here for tonight call it a day this is the dynasty dm you stay classy dynasty leaders
1: thanks for tuning in